So in verse 14, And David stayed in the strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but notice God did not deliver him into his hand. You know, again, if you were to look at a map as we go through these cities, I'd encourage you to do that because you, you really are going to see this zigzagging back and forth. He's like a gazelle running from a lion. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. God guided and protected David, but it was not comfortable. This was an essential time for God's work in David's life. He became a man after God's heart in the shepherd's field, but he became a king in the wilderness. Saul, on the other hand, was a determined enemy, unrelenting in his pursuit of David, and was so obsessed with killing David that he didn't give attention to the work God called him to do. God tells us through Isaiah chapter 28, verse 23, Give ear and hear my voice. Listen and hear my speech. We must always be attentive when God speaks. Now here's Pastor Rob. You know this passage very well in Proverbs chapter 3. It says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. In Psalm 20, verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Where is your trust tonight? Are are we really trusting in the Lord? Are we trusting in him? Am I trusting in the Lord? We know he's trustworthy. Many of, in this, many of us in this room, perhaps all of us, have been in situations where we've, been, where we've had to trust the Lord. We've had nowhere to go, and the Lord was the one that got you out of the mess, got you out of the pickle that you were in. I can attest to that. And sometimes, even when I wasn't trusting in him, God was working, unbeknownst to me, behind the scenes, in his mercy. And then later on, I would realize, God, you really were there for me. And he's like, Rob, I've, I've been there when you were clueless in Seattle. <laughs> I was there for you before you even knew I was even aware of any, before you even knew who I was. I was watching out for you. I was taking note. And I love that. He's like that with all of us. Have you ever looked back on your life and, and seen things and, and said, you know what, Lord? Even when I was in my darkness, I didn't even know you. I didn't care to know you. I was very happy and very content in my darkness and my sin. And you were looking out for me. Lord, remember that night that I was parting with that group and 
Many of them were doing these certain things, and I could have done that. And one of them died that night because they got a hot shot. Remember that, Lord? And he's like, yeah, remember how I gave you, I, I, I caused you to be sick to your stomach and you had to leave before you partook of that? That was me. <laughs> that was me. Remember this morning when you were brushing your teeth and you dropped your toothbrush? Those four seconds that it cost you saved you from going through an intersection and a car going through. And Rob, you had no idea that I bumped that toothbrush out of your hand (laughs) because I knew what was happening that day. You had no idea. I've been looking out for you all your life. (laughs) That's the kind of stuff that brings you to your knees, isn't it? When you think, are you really that good? And he says, yeah, I'm even better than that. (laughs) I'm so much better than that. So good. Like the song we sing tonight, you are so good to me, right? In Isaiah 31, verse 1, it says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong. But you do not look upon the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. And there's the exhortation, seek the Lord. Trust in him. Don't trust in all the accoutrements of our culture and our society. Are you trusting in the Lord? Are you trusting in your 401k? Are you trusting in your own financial provision, your credit score, your nest egg, your credit cards? People trust in those things. And we live in a country where we have access to those financial resources. We have to be really careful. And isn't it true that the older we get, the more life experience that we have, we tend to rely more on our life experience than on the Lord? Hopefully that's not true. But we can tend to increase in that rather than decrease, like John the Baptist. He said, I must, in, I must decrease and the Lord must increase. But are we increasing in our own wisdom and our own experience? Well, done that before, done that before. David could have said, Lord, we've done this before. You know, they, they fall for the same trick. We don't need to do anything different. He's like, no, David, you're not going to go up. I want you to go around behind, and I want you to wait. I want you to wait on me. And then when, I, when you hear that sound, then you go out, and then you'll have the victory. But the older we get, if we're not careful, folks, we can rely on our past experiences. And perhaps that's why the church is struggling. And even church attendance in America is waning. I don't know if you knew that. I saw a statistic the other day. And every decade, the church attendance is going down and down and down. It's, it's true. People are getting more focused on other things. They're, 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 they're relying more on, their, on themselves. They're no longer reading the Bible. They're no longer praying. They're no longer serving the Lord. They're just happy and, and going to work and making money and then moving to Florida when they get old to play golf and to go out on the boat, to go out on the yacht. To go to Boca Grande and go tarpon fishing. You know, and then the world, they see us, the church, and they say, you know, we see you guys doing the same thing. What's the use? And that really hurts, doesn't it? But it's easy. We can develop that attitude of, I've been around the block long enough. And most of us, as you get older, you can say that. I've been around the block a few times, seen this before, been there, done that. I've even got the T-shirt to prove it. And you rely more on your, your experience. And what a shame it is to see older people 
still operating in that. Old saints, no faith anymore. They're just relying on their old ways, not really surrendered to the Lord anymore. Been there, done that, we can do it this way, and no longer really resting in his grace. And may God help you if you get away with that, getting away with your own wisdom, and maybe even being uh, uh, things going fairly decent as a result of that. May God help you if that's the case. Because the more that that happens, do you understand? We get more entrenched. We get more set in, set in our ways. We get hardened. Our heart gets hard. And maybe as a Christian, maybe that's not you tonight. It could be. I know people like that. Older saints in Christ that should be superstars in the, in the, in the, in the kingdom, but rather they've gotten hardened over the years. Something has happened to them. They stop reading. They stop praying. They stop going to church. They just get hard and crusty. And... They become set in their ways, and it's never a good thing. It's time to break up, as the Scripture says, the fallow ground, that hard, clumpy soil that's just got no water in it. There's no moisture to it. What does it say in Jeremiah? Jeremiah, through God through Jeremiah, said, Thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground and do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskin of your hearts, that hardness of our hearts to take that away, to break it up. In Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, Sow for yourself righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. It's a good thing to break up the fallow ground. Anybody have fallow ground in here tonight? I would be willing to say that probably in all of our lives, in some area or another, there's some fallow ground that needs to be broken up. You know, the, that little thing that has the tongs on it, you know, you need to stick it in there and you need to loosen it up again and add some water and make your life more pliable and usable. You know, in fact, I, I think, if I remember correctly, someone asked Chuck Smith one time, you know, if, if you could do one thing, what, what would it be? And I think what his response to this question was that the Lord would make me pliable and usable. And that's what I think of. Because someone who has a heart that's a ground that's just dry and cracked like a desert floor, there's not much you can do with it. So the Lord wants to water it, right? He wants to add water to it and make it soft again. I mean, I don't think anybody here really wants to have a hard heart anyway, do we? I mean, it just grieves the Spirit of God. You know when you've got a hard heart because you look at everybody with crossed eyes. You look at everybody with suspicion. You look at everybody's, a, it's a competition. Everything that happens with everybody around you, it's a, a spiritual competition. Instead of just loving each other for the different places that we're in and enjoying that. You know, guess what, folks? We're all going to heaven. If you're a believer in Christ, you're going up. And some of you may be further on the escalator, but guess what? You're all in the escalator. You're all going to get there. Some may be more closer, you know, because they've been walking. Some are just starting on the escalator, but guess what? Everyone on that escalator in Christ goes to him. Why not help each other out? Why not encourage everyone? And put away the, those things that just don't edify, but rather love each other.
See, that's what the world needs to see. Instead of the church fighting, seeing the church really loving each other, regardless of skin color, regardless of political platform, regardless of anything. I mean, really, we're the only ones in the world that can do that. To get this many people even, and those online, to, 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 to gather together and to be united in Christ. I mean, is there anything that people can unite under, really? I mean, from the very depths of their heart and their being, you and I can do that. Because the same spirit that is in me is the same spirit that's in you. And when we talk about things and when we read the scripture, we're all in tune with one another because we have the same spirit indwelling us. And I love that. I love that. Verse 10, it says, Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God, and hear the desperation here in David's voice. O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servants. I mean, that's what desperation is, folks. And the Lord says he will come down. And I love it. God always responds to desperation. When I've got it all figured out, God doesn't need to, you know, really come into my life. I mean, he does at times, unbeknownst to me. But if I, if I can handle it, he's like, well, handle it. Let's see what you do. <laughs> and whatever I do, I make a mess. But when I'm desperate, where's our desperation? Are we desperate for anything anymore? I mean that. Are we desperate for him? I think of what we've been through in this country in the last year, Everything that's been going on, I am desperate for him. I need, I'm desperate for him, for discernment, for, to keep my own heart and my own mind in order, in check. I'm desperate for him because, honestly, with all of the canceling and all of the, the, the deception and all of the uh, all this weird and wacky stuff, don't trust any of the media. Just turn it all off. Trust one person. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ and trust his word. Everything else, folks, is subject to fall on, your, on its face. This, he, Jesus Christ, the word of God, he will not fail. He can never fail. And he is truth personified. Why not spend more time in the word of God where I'm going to be told the truth? I don't know about you, but I don't like to be lied to. And everyone around me in the media, in our culture, is lying. But God will never lie. His truth is truth. Amen? But notice when God says in verse 11, he will come down, David. Saul's going to come down after you. And I love this because God is basically showing his, demonstrating his omniscience, the fact that he knows all things. He, he knows the end from the beginning. Doesn't it say in Isaiah 57, verse 15, thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. If he inhabits eternity, that means that he's already seen. That's why he's the Alpha and the Omega. He can see as if everything is already happened when it hasn't happened yet. He's looking down on it all, and he can see when I was born, and he knows that everything that's going to happen in my life and in your life, he knows my very last breath. He knows where I'm going to be. He knows that I'm going to eat the night before I die. Or he knows the very day he's coming. He's able to tell David, he is going to come, David. He's going to come after you. No one, no being, no spirit is able to do this but God. And to those whom he imparts that knowledge. Remember in Daniel chapter 2 when God gave to Nebuchadnezzar the image of the statue and basically showed the four different kingdoms. 
in world history from the time of Nebuchadnezzar all the way to the end to the tribulation period to the revived Roman Empire. He gives them this vision and no one could could answer it. And Nebuchadnezzar did something really impossible. He says, not only am I not going to tell you what the dream was, but you need to tell me what the dream was and then interpret it. And his soothsayers and all of his magicians are going, no one has ever asked anything like that of anyone. You're crazy. And Daniel says, give me a minute, king. Give, give us some time. And then the Lord speaks to him and his three companions. And Daniel goes back to him. And Daniel says to him in verse 27 of Daniel 2, he says, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers, they cannot deliver to the king. They can't declare it. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. And he lays them all out. The secrets of God delivered to a man, Daniel. To tell the king. And I believe in we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. His own, his own testimony in Daniel chapter 4. He said, there's no one like God. I lost my mind, Nebuchadnezzar says, and until I came to know that he's the one who rules. He's the king. He's the king. And that's really what God did with David. Telling him secrets. Oh yeah, he's, Saul's coming after you, David. And the men of Keilah, by the way, you saved them, didn't you? And you'd think that they'd be grateful. You'd think they'd throw you a big banquet, put you on a little rickshaw and take you through the town and, and exalt your name and have people blowing, you know, blowing up stuff. But they're going to deliver you up too. Sorry. And Amos chapter 3, verse 7 says, Surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. And Peter, in Acts chapter 2, remember that day of the Pentecost, day of Pentecost? When he's speaking, he says, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, what, David, a prophet? Yes. God spoke to David. He's a prophet. David was a prophet. And God Showing his all-knowingness of all things, he delivers that secret to his servant, David the prophet, and the king. And then in verse 12 it says, Then David says, Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into your hand? And the Lord said, Yep, they're going to deliver you. They're going to sign, seal, and deliver you right there. You're going to have a FedEx tracking number right on you, David. They're going to deliver you. The heart of man is fickle, isn't it? After You think that after that great victory and delivering them from the Philistines, you'd think there'd be some kind of, again, some blessing that they would give upon David. And what is the thanks that he gets? He gets a tracking number stamped on his forehead, sent to the King Saul. We're going to deliver him up. In Jeremiah 17, verse 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And I love the Lord actually answers the question. He goes, I, the Lord... I search the heart, I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. 
And this is why Scripture always tells us not to trust in man, but trust in the Lord. I remember meeting somebody one time, and I, it was in the street somewhere down the city. It might have been when I went to Eastman down there. I remember I was on the, um, familiar with all the panhandlers and stuff like that, because in the beginning I was very gullible, and I gave them everything. And then the Lord wised me up over time. And I remember talking to one of them, and, and one of them said, well, you've got to trust me. And I'm like, the Bible doesn't tell me I have to trust anybody except him. Why should I trust you? I don't even know you. And Christians, will, people say that to a Christian. Well, you've got to trust me. You're a Christian. Oh, really? Well, the Bible tells me not to trust anybody except him, right? <laughs> it's better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. Isn't that what Psalm 118 says? It's better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in princes, in Proverbs 25, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth and a foot out of joint. Ouch. Cursed is the man, Jeremiah says, who trusts in man and makes, makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Verse 13, so David and his men, about 600 of them, arose and departed from Keilah, went wherever they could go, and then it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keilah, so he halted the expedition. So Saul finally gets fed up with chasing David. He wants him really bad, but he's just wasting a lot of time, a lot of man hours, a lot of human resources. So in verse 14, And David stayed in the strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but notice God did not deliver him into his hand. You know, again, if you were to look at a map as we go through these cities, I'd encourage you to do that because you, you really are going to see this zigzagging back and forth. He's like a gazelle running from a lion. So David, verse 15, saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. And then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. Jonathan was this wonderful friend, and we, we looked at this the last when we were in chapter 19 and 20. You know, these two brothers, I mean, these two men were, it was an amazing friendship. You know, blessed are you if you have a friend that is like this kind of friend. You know, whether you're male or female, if you've got a really close friend that said, you know what, I'll go, I'll go to the very grave with you if need be. You know, and their hearts are knit together. I mean, it says that their love for each other, and this was not a weird kind of thing, okay? This was a, a, a deep love, but it was a manly love, a godly love, but their love surpassed the love of women, the Scripture tells us. That, that's how close they were. That, that's how united they were. And to have a friend like that today is such a wonderful thing. You know, hopefully we have that in our spouse. Is your spouse someone that you can tell everything to? Is your spouse your best friend? There's nothing you can't tell them. You can trust them with your very heart. I mean, think about that, folks. To, to actually take your heart out and to hand it to someone and say, this is yours. I give it to you. And knowing that you don't even have to put a clause in there, they will just take care of that heart. They'll take it into their own and they'll, correct, they'll, they'll, they'll take very good care of it. And you can trust it with them. Man, I tell you, that is the kind of love that God demonstrates and wants us to demonstrate back to him because he is trustworthy. Trust in the Lord, but not in man. And this, it's interesting, um, this is the last time that Jonathan and David are going to see each other. This is it. In chapter 20, we saw that they had the, when they were out in the field, 
that that might have been the last time that they were going to see each other. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.